is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed we have a friend of the show in today for all the wrong reasons um th but this tends to happen to people who are outspoken and who are smart and courageous um but we live in peculiar times in a sense because uh there is a sort of general consensus i, I would say by now that canada is in a is a polarized country and what's interesting is that People not only represent one side or the other a lot of the times, but they carry themselves as if there is no room for diversity on either of those sides. And when that happens, funny things take place. And so to talk about this and to put some context on it and everything, I would like to welcome my friend, 7,000th time on the show, and I hope it's going to be 10,000 soon. Her name is Karima Saad. Karima, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Um, thank you, by the way, because every time something happens to you, I just get an instantly big podcast. And I really appreciate that. It's just, I'm like, oh, cream is in trouble. All right. We got our viewers for next, for the, for next week. Um, <laughs> in your own words, um, cause I, I'm going to, I didn't even want to say what it was yet. I wanted you to, to sort of like, you know, uh, let the cat out of the bag for people that don't know. Um, give us, just basically the rundown of the latest chapter of Karima versus the world, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, where do we even begin on this? Um, I, I suppose, I suppose it starts a year ago um, where I, I tried hosting a show in Chinatown outside my office um, and things went awry, if we can put it that way. Uh, I was, planning to interview Chris Guy. It was not meant to be an opportunity for him to spout off on his views, although, of course, that was a possibility. Um, but, but my goal was to tear him down and to simultaneously reach his audience. Um, and that was deemed inappropriate by a certain group of people who consider themselves activists, anti-fascists. Um, they blockaded the event. And, and that was a major turning point um, kind of in my coverage of the so-called freedom movement. Um, now the latest, and, and so sort of that's like the initial event, the, the catalyst, so to speak. Um, and, and for the past year, um, I have been dealing with the fallout of, of people just rehashing um, this event that never happened, um, all of the things that went wrong, how it was entirely predictable, entirely my fault. Um, and it, it, it has crossed several lines, actually, um, that I, I don't often talk about online um, because I, I don't want that to be a focal point. But... In April of this year, um, I did address um, some of the most disconcerting aspects of this campaign uh, of harassment that I've been dealing with. Uh, and just the other day, 
um, Rebel News picked up on my thread um, and sort of incorporated it into their own hit piece. Um, and this hit piece was against the Kitty Hate Network, um, who are directly and loosely associated um, with the what, what I've been enduring. Um, and so effectively, I was used uh, as, as a human grenade of sorts, um, like a political mm. weapon, um, where my words and my voice was incorporated into the story that I did not participate. Um, I, I declined an interview. Uh, it's not really my jam. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that my words were used um, has now been twisted um, into Karima has been working with the bad guys all along. Um, yeah. And it's uh, so, so, I mean, I don't know how concise of a summary that was. No, but, that, that, uh, that's fine, actually. So uh, uh, the way I saw it was, first of all, I thought it was a, um, I thought it was both brave and much needed. Um, the, the idea, or at least the theoretical idea of having people like yourself and Chris Guy sit down and hopefully have a rational conversation. I don't think the idea of, of sitting down with your political opposite um, is ever, should ever be a problem. Uh, Chris Sky probably would have made it a problem. Maybe the only thing I would have switched is well, I would have interviewed somebody else, but you guys had that history, so it sort of made sense. But either way, the whole thing that I opened with about the polarization is is what I find really interesting because, um, you know, to people like Rebel News and to people like the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, they are perfect kind of examples of the rigid right and the rigid left, where it's like, this is the way that we see things and there's not really much room for diversity. And, and that's just sort of it. They think they occupy like the, the part of the left and the part of the right that, you know, um, is sort of non-negotiable, those views. And what I found interesting is that, you know, it, it is worse, I think, when people like what if the Canadian anti-hate group told you or whatever they're called uh, network told you to um, to not do the interview or, or advise that you didn't do the interview and then you didn't do the interview. Well, that to them would be perfect because that is like an like a, a unified left in a sense, I guess. But the fact that you had a different um, concept, a different way of doing things was enough for them to like what I think, uh, or at least uh, the people associated with them, because I don't want to, you know, point a finger right at the, the network, but but people that were associated with them, writers, I think that that they employed, went down there and and kind of became the spark of the thing that kind of messed everything up. Blamed you for holding it. Um, you know, and, and it was, I remember at the time just being like, this is bizarre. This is just too weird because, um, and then it plays into the whole, and it's really, okay, this is the thing. The Kin Anti-Hate Network could have said, okay, let's agree to disagree and do what you need to do. Cause then there's still diversity, but there's also civility, right? There, there's diversity of opinion, but there's also civility. And so what it, then you, you, so they used you. Um, and they contrasted you next to um, Chris Guy and that kind of thing and how you shouldn't platform him. And then you fast forward to um, the Rebel News thing and they kind of did their own version of that where they take you and they put you in a story about their cr uh, criticisms of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network and then use your progressive status as a shield <laughs> and a weapon so that they can, I guess, um, I, I don't know what the political purpose would be, but to try to divide the left, to try to like get more people on the left to then join Rebel News somehow. I, I don't really know what their purpose was, but um, 
even even the left hates the Trudeau connected Canadian anti hate network that kind of thing, and it was it was pretty cheap. They they lifted your quotes from old tweets, but they didn't specify that in the piece, which I thought was pretty annoying. Um, they do specify it in the video actually. So there's like okay. some discrepancies, well not discrepancies, but differences between the article and the video. So in the video, they acknowledge that. You know, they reached out for comment and I declined. Um, that's not clearly reflected in the article. Um, and, and I mean, my, my tweets are public. They're in the public domain. So it's it's fair game to, to comment on them. Um, and oddly, you know, it, I, I wouldn't adopt the characterization um, of the story writ large um, or even the segment about me in its entirety. Um, but it was fairly accurate it was fairly accurate um you know and, and and that's sort of the listen if they were just a regular conservative kind of outlet that didn't you know traffic in um rage porn so they could raise money like their business model is is just that if menzi stubbed his toe send money here like it's it's always like that and it's true. It's basically it's true, uh, you know, and they um, and so but if it came from a network that was just sort of like conservative but not controversial, um, it wouldn't seem as bad. Right. Because but but since, you know, the rebel recipe for news, it, it clearly they have a motive attached to it. Right. Because that's just what they do. There was also a segment or an excerpt from the piece that um, that stood out for me. And I'm going to read it now. Um Oddly, when referring to memes and hate symbols, the toolkit leave out some of the more obvious symbols like the swastika, which leads me to the question, does Canadian Anti-Hate Network really care about ending hate? Toronto lawyer and political commentator slash cartoonist Kareem Assad would like to question that. And here's the part where I think you and I both agree it sounded very strange. As a liberated Muslim woman, Saad uses her freedom of expression to do on the ground citizen journalism, much this may of, of Canadian Anti-Hate Network. As a liberated Muslim woman, um, I, I'm not going to touch that at all. It's I would so like offensive. You to, though. <laughs> it's so offensive. Um, but like in an innocuous sort of way, because liberated, you know, has positive connotations. You're free. Um, but it also implies that the default status is somehow shackled or oppressed. Um, and, and they tie it specifically to me being Muslim. So what does that mean? Liberated from who, from what? Uh, and given what we know about coverage of Islam and Muslims by rebel news, um, it's, it's, it's not fair treatment. Um, and so like that stood out to me just kind of as a dog whistle, you know, and I, I, there's no point in sort of what was the intent. Um, I, I think, you know, it speaks for itself. And again, liberated from who? <laughs> you know what they mean. They, they mean, they, this is what I believe they mean. I believe they mean liberated from the oppressive uh, religion known as Islam. And so, but here's the thing. Um, if you're, you could say that about any religion in the sense that, if you take like an opus die interpretation of Christianity and then just pretend every single Christian is, is that then everyone's liberated from their religion eventually, <laughs> you know, because we don't follow the ancient text in an orthodoxical way. So why would we ever really need to be, have our shackles removed? 
you know, obviously it doesn't apply to like every single country. There's countries in there that obviously the oppression of women is tied with the Islamic political situation there. But these are like, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a Western woman living in Canada. Um, you, you know, your, your culture and your religion is going to reflect the society that you live in, isn't it? I mean, sure, to some extent, but like Muslims also aren't a monolith, right? So there's different lifestyles, different interpretations of religious texts. What does it mean to be devout? Am I Muslim religious or Muslim culturally or a bit of both? Or, you know, like it, it, it is, it's not white by any stretch. And part of the issue with Islamophobia, I think, is broad strokes, right? And and broad assumptions, stereotypes. Um, and that's just, it's baked into this one sentence descriptor of me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rather unfortunate because as you said, the rest of the article, whether or not it was written for strategic purposes or not, was, was pretty fair, you know? Um, now, what do you think that says to us? Because you, uh, you, you caught something that I wrote yesterday about how, I can't remember how I worded it, something like, when there's more than two ideas that clash in a polarized state, um, certain things happen. I said something like that. Um, I look at the I look at the political landscape in Canada almost through the polarization lens exclusively, because I find it so domineering in everything that we do. If you find out the opinion of uh, such and such on the left is this then you will think the opposite if you're a conservative and oftentimes vice versa. It's like, Oh, well is there should be a problem because you know, Max Bernie agrees with you. So that should give you pause. And it's just like, well, maybe he's right about one thing, <laughs> you know, like just one thing, whatever that happens to be. So is there like a, um, is that, is that what you're seeing as well? Let's, let's start there. I think definitely over the past, like the past, well, I've been plugged in really to the scene over the past two years. Um, and, and polarization is, is very obvious um, in the way that it manifests at the, the anti-vax, anti-mandate, whatever rallies. Um, and then on Twitter, right? So I'm posting footage from this rally and I'm getting sort of extremes on, on both ends um, of, of, comments and I, I, I it's partly like a, a, a sports team mentality I think where you know you're not part of my club this is my club and you're wrong because it's not um, and and there's very little room for nuance or critical thought um, or civility and, and sort of discourse has been built up as something that is bad or harmful um, and you know, I, I think that that's not healthy. Yeah, I, I have one up. Um, and it's funny because uh, I'm going to read a tweet here. And I can't tell if the person who tweeted it is a right winger who thinks they're clever or a left winger who's just un unhinged or something. But it's, it's, it's I, an I unhinged tell. left winger in this particular It is. Un okay. So Rage Against the Mafia State writes... Lies from neo-Nazi associate and disinformation actor Karim Assad, both are totally untrue, are now being cited in rebel media. The website known for helping inspire the Christchurch massacre and for hiring members and allies of the neo-Nazi terrorist group Generation Identity. Um, 
that is so batshit that I don't even know how to like properly convey how batshit that is because you know you're not the one that chose to write an article in Rebel News. You didn't know it was coming out. This is something that happened a year ago, and the idea that you can like that this is this is that symptom of polarization that I was talking about. So they have their mind made up of Rebel News. Rebel News uses your story as a pillar in one of their critiques of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. And so, um, you know, low information thinkers in the public then decide that immediately, reflexively, that you and Rebel News are now the same thing. And, oh, yeah, you're partially responsible for the Christchurch massacre. Like, like, do we have that? Like, the smear by association. That's just, it's... it's reflexive is I think the perfect word um and Mm. you know that that's not a critique that's not a real critique that's grounded in an actual thoughtful consideration of what transpired that is just an attempt to to smear and yeah it's so offensive uh, yeah, it, uh, there, there's a lot packed into that little, and, and there's many people so who are a, engaging in this. Yeah, another, another yeah, smear this by one, this one, This guy says Al Content, and Al Content says, not to mention she's wearing a shirt of a known racist because she, I guess you had an NWO shirt on and Hulk Hogan was it part was of it. It was Hulkamania, actually. It was a Hulkamania Oh, it was Hulkamania. Shirt. So, so now, guys, like just Hogan, so you know. But like, it, does, it doesn't even it, matter, what, even if you did. It doesn't matter. It just, even if you did. What if you said this? Yeah, I'm a big wrestling fan, and that probably prompts me to uh, forgive him for being such a fucking idiot uh, when when he used that word. But I forgive him. Imagine like someone getting mad at you for that. Like, why do we? I mean, it's not my place to forgive him for anything, but I also this tendency to sort of pass moral judgment based on even the slightest proximity to problematic things. uh, I think Mm. is is detrimental. Um, and, and in part because, like it or not, everyone is problematic to some degree in their own way. And, you know, I there's maybe he, you're highly problematic, but, yes, you know, you. <laughs> you know me so well. Yeah. But what is that like? What does that even mean? And, and how do we hold space and patience for one another? Because nobody came into this earth with sort of the perfect knowledge of everything. And in any event, there has to be room for disagreeing on things because that sort of process is is how we find truth and how we have new ideas. And that's the whole notion of progress. So so this 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 kind of we all have to be in perfect lockstep with one another about our opinions and any divergence means that you support the bad thing that they like it. it, it that's a recipe for failure and disaster. Um, So, you know, I have very little patience um, for that particular strategy, um, which is deployed quite frequently um, against me. Um, And like every, like I am a half Palestinian woman living in Canada. Like the, the whole nation is hostile towards my existence, right? So if I had to sort of apply some kind of purity test to every single person I interacted with, I would be a hermit because 
it's not possible. It's not possible. Um, so I have to make sort of pragmatic decisions about, you know, who do I talk to? Pragmatic decisions about safety. How am I going to interact? And and that's, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've developed um, the way that I, I try to deal with people. It, it I try to be respectful. Uh, I don't have to respect someone's ideas or opinions to still acknowledge the person and the humanity in front of me. And, and that's not sort of a bleeding heart. Let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's we're going to have disagreements. And and from my vantage point, I feel like I've said this on your show before, um, but from my vantage point on kind of discussing various issues, um, some of which are controversial, some of which less so, um, but I, I have like very engaged followers who chime in with their thoughts and, you know, someone who is well-educated and I, and I think maybe has a strong background in residential schools and what happened in Canada, they may not be very in, in tune with what's happening in the LGBTQ plus space. Right. So like, everyone is this patchwork of opinions and, you know, it's not about let's work on everyone till her opinions are all right. Um, but it, it's about well, extending patience and grace and not interpreting everything in bad faith. And, you know, th- th- I don't see how society advances without that because otherwise people get left behind. There's no room for real reflection or, or, evolution. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think that it's strange because, you know, there have been, I see a lot of people saying it now. Um, You know, one day they call me a libtard and the next day they call me, you know, uh, an alt-right. And and like, yeah, that was me for like a decade because I, I wrote for Huffington Post and, you know, for like a year and a half or something. And it was like, I clearly am not like a, a die in the wool progressive, but I'm not a die in the wool conservative either. So, and then, but what I find strange about it is that I understood conceptually why they did it to me, right? They did it to me because I was like snarky about both sides all the time because I just hated both sides or, or whatever. So, and, and that was sort of like my brand at the time. Um, and so whenever I got that, if I, if in one week I got called a Nazi four times and I got called a, you know, a, a communist, you know, five times, I was like, oh, it was a good week. You know, <laughs> I did my job that week. Both sides hate me. I'm good. But when they do it to people like yourself, I start to rethink the whole polarization idea. 
and I don't know what it would be called uh, if you like, uh, uh, you know, polarized tripartite state would be the three, whatever the four is, because it feels like both sides are becoming polarized, like the left and the right, respectively. Are the right is like if you want to just generalize for a second, is like convoy conservatives versus conservative classic, right? And then the left is like I don't even know, like reasonable progressive versus the cult of wokeism, I guess, whatever, whatever label you want to put on it. That I, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse because I, I know that the way that it's being handled, um, the way that politically they attack each other is not good, but is the diversity of thought good in those two groups or is it is one side so bad that you just want to be able to eliminate it and replace it with something more reasonable and how even like realistic is that so i mean we can't really i hesitate to draw a false equivalency between sort of the the quote unquote sides right because time and time again um people who align with the far right, there is a greater tendency toward violence and restrictions on human rights. I think that that's fair across the board. Um, But what I've experienced um, in dealing with people who purport to be far left um, is that some of the same sort of authoritarian tendencies exist within that group. And I don't know if that's humans organizing in groups or if it's the tendency to think in extremes. Like, I'm not sure why that is the case. Um, But the the analogy of a circular firing squad, um, I I have seen and experienced that. And it, it, to, to me, the, all of these labels are, are somewhat meaningless. I'm not, you know, a student of political theory, um, so I, I won't like I won't try to delve into that. But as far as politics go, my, my politics are rooted in values, um, and you know, my the value I I prioritize the most is empathy. Um, so a, a lot of issues that leftists will talk about you know, are, are on their face rooted in empathy, right? It's about uh, uplifting people, making sure sort of their material needs are met, the ability to self-actualize, all of those things. And I think that those are good things. Um, but when it stops being rooted in that and, and it's more kind of the performative, well, I, you know, I, like and and the application of sort of Puritan tests, like I, I, I don't yeah. see how that's beneficial, right? Well, that's one of the reasons I think why. Um, let's just, let's let's talk in terms of like you know a uh, uh, progressive conservative, like an actual like center right, but not crazy. You know, they like you because um, you say keywords sometimes that are associated with them unfairly, I would say like free speech is the easiest one to come to mind. 
if you like you I, i'm one do you ever like go out of your way not to use the term free speech but say no, the exact like, same imagine, thing so, imagine that like imagine the basic civil liberty of free speech and, yeah. and somehow that has that concept has been perverted to being a right-wing value that is that is so ridiculous well and, that's and the, any, the, listen that's the strategy i believe of i don't think there's there's some cabal making these decisions but it seems to be a characteristic on the left uh, and I agree with you with that false equivalency thing before. And whenever I put one camp in one side, one camp, I'm not really equalizing them. We could dig into why one is worse than the other, and that's fine. I have no problem doing that. But, but the way the left allow the right to brand things for themselves, like free speech, like the Canadian flag. Like, I, I, I can't believe how many times I've read in the last month. Oh, you know, every time I see a Canadian flag, I know who the racist is. And it's just like, what? Like... Don't let them win. Like, why Why are we letting them win? Why are we saying, okay, they got the flag, guys. Fuck, all right. I guess we'll have to do something else. Like, I mean, it's because it's easy, right? Like, symbols are easy. Um, like, sort of heuristic devices are easy. So this means that, okay, I know sort of how to understand and deal with it without having to, to think about it. Um, and, like, absolutely sort of allowing the right to hijack concepts like civil liberties. Um, th that's, that's extremely dangerous because realistically, um, you know, who has suffered kind of, uh, if, we, if we think back to like McCarthyism, right? And, you know, these political trials and you mentioned the word communist and they're like, so it, it like free free speech has to be something that we protect on the left yeah. um and and somehow that's been abandoned um and abandoned in favor of what i'm not quite sure um because it, like words do have power um and like i i, I strongly believe that and I, I believe that symbols and images have power too um but censoring or trying to suppress or kind of using the law or the police state to try and, and impose kind of this, this idea of safe language um, that that's not, I don't agree with it's it. Not conducive so I, I just to don't agree with that orthodoxy. It's just not conducive with a, with like a wet, with a democracy that's supposed to be based and, and enshrined constitutionally the concept of free speech. It's just, you know, and, and it was a perfect storm in a way too, because, it was like, I remember it was, uh, it was like 2016, 2017. I got invited to go on uh, a Breitbart show. And I was happy to do it. I don't care. <laughs> I'll go on anyone's show. It doesn't matter to me. I don't feel like I'm like endorsing anyone by sitting on a show. Like, you know, you don't have to tell people that you endorse blackballs. It's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, it's fine. But anyways, I went on this show and, you know, uh, I, I, I got flack for it for like a year. Oh, there's the Breitbart guy. That guy went on Breitbart. And I'm just sitting there just, so what? Like, I, yeah, I did. I'll go on your show too, even though I think it sucks. Like, it doesn't, you know, it, 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 what we do with, um, with our voice and where we place it is, is just, it's becoming a problem for some people. And what I find really disappointing, though, actually, Krima, is that I like the idea of diversity, like conceptually, the idea of diversity of thought on the left and the right is great. You don't want everybody to be wearing the same uniform. You don't want everybody agreeing on everything all the time, I don't think. You want to be able to, like, try to unearth new ideas but then 
it becomes this this thing where um it 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 all comes down to how you communicate with the diverse groups among your tribe on the left and i think that is actually the main issue i think we have lost our we've lost the plot so much on language and how to communicate rationally with each other that even diversity can be poisoned through the idea that um you can't be agreeable like you have to stand your ground the whole time and you're infallible in your positions and it's funny because you and noam chomsky and people like that that i've spoken to all kind of say the similar thing which is listen um free speech should have limits when it comes to things like violence and this and that but like really the best cure for bad ideas is good ideas I think that's. I believe that. I, I truly believe yeah. that. And now, like we operate in a in a world where misinformation or you know trumped up facts like that just it spreads faster and it's more palatable, right? So, yes, that 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 is a reality of the twenty first century information age. And I don't know how we how we deal with that. I, I don't I don't know, um, but I, I don't think. The answer is through silencing. And, you know, the, the irony in this, of course, is if we think about kind of boxes and ticking boxes, well, I'm a woman, I am a Muslim, I have brown skin, um, you know, I can go through a couple of others. And so one would think that my, my speech would matter. And it does matter. Uh, like it has inherent value. And I recognize that. I don't care if other people do or don't. Um, but the, the the idea of trying to shut that down um, because it somehow poses a danger uh, that that I I, I, yeah. I can't accept that. Um, and, and like you, hey, you just talked about going on on Breebart and you know there I I don't want to. I, I wouldn't be able to lend my voice or credibility to sort of an institution or like a media outlet that, you know, I, I, I take serious issue with their content. Um, but the reality is in our, in our media landscape, um, most of it skews in, in a way that, you know, I, I don't, I don't it's agree. Not objective. So, yeah. No. So, so it's like, again, am I going to exclude myself from society because people's ideas aren't as radical or progressive as my own, well, then how do I reach anybody? And like, e even the but audience- if we disagreed with that, let's just say you and I disagree with that. I went on the show and then you decided for yourself that you didn't want to go on the show for whatever reason, even if you had an all-encompassing reason, like no one should give that fucking thing uh, uh, the time of day. Even if you thought that, you and I would still be able to get along. <laughs> I wouldn't be writing articles and using you as a human shield, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Just, just so, live and let I, live. Like I don't know why that is such a hard concept. Um, yeah. As long as you know the ones you're letting live are also letting live, right? So yeah, the, the the sort of that meme about the paradox of tolerance gets like trotted out um, every now and mm -hmm. then, where you know if you give space to hateful ideas, then it normalizes them, and then it sort of it usually makes them anger. drunk. They die alone, you know. But you know it. <laughs> And that's probably true to some extent. So, like, it matters, though. Context matters. And, you know, going back to this whole Chris Scott, and, like, he's irrelevant now, which is another irony. Um, and, and I think in no small part um, because of how 
he was covered, right? And and some of the work that I did to do that. Um, but oh, you you, you were the main, you were, takes, you, were the ce- you were the centerpiece. You were the centerpiece of the Chris guy. Fucking ruined the- him. So yeah. like, you're welcome, everybody. Um, and you, you can go. try to downplay my efforts in doing that, but you're welcome. And you know, I I did it in my way. And and so he's irrelevant now. Somehow this show is still talked about and relevant. But at the time, his platform was significantly larger than mine. So even even this notion of giving him a platform, how? How? I had like 10,000, 12,000 followers at the time. He had a couple of hundred thousand. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, so it's it's just sort of taking words, applying them. You know, you, you, you said rigidly. I think that that's a perfect adjective. Um, and, and that it's lazy. It's intellectually lazy. Yeah, it, it is. And, um, and, and we'll leave it there because, yeah, you know, it's funny because I just realized, uh, and you said it earlier, but I, I think it's worth talking about when someone does this. But what they did, just to circle back, is um, they rehashed the whole Chris guy and Kareem and Sad thing because they needed something to bolster their piece about the Canadian anti-hate network. And so they took something, blew the dust off of it, put it in there didn't qualify the quotes so kind of left the impression that you were leaving a quote yesterday or whatever you know uh, and and it was really cheap and you know what and here's the thing and maybe i'll just ask if you have anything to say about this because this is i kind of find it really um important are people like are these people on both sides are they motivated by politics or clicks like i i don't even know i can't tell they're they're, you know even good causes attract antisocial personalities um, and people have egos, right? I, I have an ego clearly. Um, so, you know, that comes into play as well. Um, there are all sorts of reasons for doing things that have nothing to do with the actual substance, uh, of, of the issue at hand. Um, so yeah, clicks is a big thing. Uh, and mm-hmm. for whatever reason, my name brings clicks. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this up for a second, just because, and I don't care if I say his name, and he gets an extra click because Mark Saplinski, um, renowned fraudster, <laughs> you know, uh, fake news producer, says uh, Rebel News article is inaccurate though, and this is where this and the reason why I wanted to show this is because I know what he's doing here too. Krima was very. Very swift and powerful disapproval of Antifa's actions last night. Buttering you up. We did an interview about this last year. In my opinion, it was a fine interview and deserves to be watched in full. And there's the click. The, the ask for clicks is, is great because he's so nice to you because he knows that you have a lot of people that really like you. And so he's nice to you. And then he directs them to, to watch the interview that he did with you because he wants the clicks. It's ugh, fuck. like everyone thinks that they're, they're a wizard behind a curtain. But what they don't realize is that it's probably a shower curtain. You know, and it's probably near the toilet. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to picture any of these people in the shower, man. (laughs) That's true. I'm sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Okay. Hulk Hogan in the shower? Racist. What the fuck? Can't say anything. Listen. I didn't um, even like him as a kid. Anyway, another time. We'll save it for another time. Well, no, finish that thought because I didn't like him. I liked him as a kid because I was a young boy and 
he was so rare on was it Saturday or Sundays that wrestling was on when Saturday I was a kid. main event. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like he was on like you saw him like once every like eight weeks when I was a kid. So you never saw him. He was never on was like the treat. regular wrestling show. Yeah. <laughs> In a way. Really was. Um, I mean, I wasn't there for that like particular era, but w- when I was watching, it was kind of we saw my family saw him as the bad guy. Like he's this imperialistic American obnoxious asshole. That used um, to be his key selling point, by the way. <laughs> right. And that's why people liked him. But it's also like why we were rooting for for the Iron Sheik or who, literally whoever his opponent was. Because, you know, so so it's same thing. Like wrestling is highly problematic, highly problematic. Um, but there's ways to enjoy it and be critical of it and, and still sort of, I don't know, let people yeah. have nice things, I guess. Let people exist. Listen. We all like things that are a little like, you know, off the wall and uh, you wear yours on your sleeve because you got balls. So you got courage. Sorry, courage. You have courage. <laughs> Come on, say something. Well, I'll take it. That's fine. That's good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Cream aside, next time you get in trouble, you're coming on Black Ball, So I'll see you in about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. Thanks very much. Kareem aside, ladies and gentlemen, I always love having her on. It's so much fun how she can like get under the skin of billions of people by doing absolutely nothing um, wrong at all. Um, but every time she thinks she's out, they pull her back in. At 7 o'clock tonight, the second podcast of the Blackball Doubleheader. I am not branding. I'm just saying because I think it's funny to say Blackball Doubleheader. Um, actually, so let, let me shake off the sillies for a second because um, this show will be with an individual, an ex-member of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, and her name is Carmen Drever. And she is not just an ex-member. She is like, someone described her, an ex, another ex-Brethren member described her as like the Princess Di of the Plymouth Brethren. And what that means is, is that she... Um, is she's actually the, the the blood granddaughter, so she's even she's even more important than Princess Di, but she's like the uh, the same bloodline as the Symington family, and her grandfather was seen by the Plymouth Brethren congregation, I guess you would say, as the equivalent to the way Catholics view Saint Paul. So this guy had like a line right to Jesus, right? This is pretty convenient. Um, long distance bills were probably pretty bad, but. Anyways, the, the being the granddaughter of someone like that in, in an organization like that means so many different things, especially when you get away with certain things that other brethren members don't get away with, and especially when you leave, because now you're gone. That's sort of like the Princess Die comparison. It's like, okay, she's loose, everybody. <laughs> RPR company can't you know control her anymore. And so that's what made waves with Carmen Drever. And so... A lot of ex-brethren are going to be watching tonight. I'm in touch with more than a dozen, actually hundreds of them if you go by the Facebook page and in personal contact with a couple dozen, I think. Uh, and they're going to be watching that with uh, with great interest. So that's tonight at 7. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to look at my calendar because I never do that for you guys. And I always just say, I'll, I'll announce something. And then sometimes I do. Most of the time I don't unless it's a video. Um, okay, yes. Next week, Adam Scorgy will be here on Monday. He will be screening his documentary the same way that I did mine. We rushed it. His is called uh, Culture High. And so we're going to do that. It's going to be like a long show. That's probably going to be like three hours. And then the following week, I have Ryan Jesperson 
And that is going to be interesting because he's a pretty popular new podcaster. He was, uh, you know, doing the TV thing for, I think, 20 years. So that'll be interesting. And then scattered throughout here and, say, August 2nd will be another three or four interviews with Plymouth Brethren, ex-members. And so it's going to be pretty stacked for the rest of the month. So thank you to Kareem Asad and thank you everyone for watching and I'll see you next time on Black Belt. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.